going to go ahead and get started again. And tonight we're going to be finishing up 1 Corinthians as we get ready to go back into 2 Corinthians. And one of the things I was telling the leaders before um, I spoke to some of you tonight is um, just how much I, I love hearing from them about your all the time and so we come back and like read them and it's just like crazy exciting uh, I know that we've been just sitting there comments and sharing and, and things like that and you all pulling it up and reading it and sharing it and it's crazy exciting um, just getting to offer just things that are said in passing as well um, and those of you who've been like on what I've preached for a few years
started by reading the letter, which gives you some info, but like some of the years prior before, and probably at a higher SEO rate. So he continues on there, um, picking up where we left off in chapter 15, and the beginning here of chapter 16, he says, now concerning the collection of the saints. We learned at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians that the saints were coming He said, now concerning the collection for the saints, which actually is kind of a wonderful title, considering what he's been saying, like what has been on his mind, what he's been talking about. And it seems like it's interesting that he would continue to be picking up such a scroll and it kind of went off on a tangent. He goes, listen to what he had said just right before this. And I want you to imagine as I'm reading this, I want you to kind of like just kind of enter in back in the day, hearing this letter, and because it would have been read aloud. Followed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sin? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law that claims that you may die. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He said, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And he's excited and he's enthusiastic and everyone's amening on hearers. And think about this so powerful truth. And he says, okay, so now concerning the collection of the saints. Can you imagine that? <laughs> you know, he kind of brings them all up at this exciting crescendo after he them have it over and over again throughout the days of the letter. Now concerning the collection of the saints. He says, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so also are you to do the, the same thing, like do this. So in other words, I'm not making a special announcement to you guys. I didn't just like beat you up and make you feel guilty and then talk about, you know, giving you money. He says, on the first day of e every week, each of you should put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be a collection at the end of the month. So this is a great reminder and a key principle kind of that we pick up before chapter 13, verse 11, and it goes down. The principle here is to trust God and generously give what you have been able to give. Number one, give for the saints. Give for the saints. Number two, each one of you. Each one of you. So no one is left out. Everyone should give. Adults should give. Teens should give. Children should give. Everyone has benefited. Everyone is blessed. Everyone should give. Right? And then he's very specific about this. He says, on the first day of every week. So the Jews actually named their days of the week. Their first, second, third, third, fourth, fourth day. They didn't have the word Sunday or Monday. They just did God. They wouldn't have called them after that. So first day, second day, third day. And the first day of the week is first fruits, the day that you would go to start a local church on what we call Sunday, which is the Feast of God. But the Jews never said that. They didn't name it. 
it's on a Thursday and everything on that Sunday morning. Okay, so that is good for you. And see the evidence then of the kid descending on the first day of um, ascension. He shall do that on the first day of every week. He says, each one of you is to put something aside. Put something. And notice here that there's no mention of tithing at all. In fact, there's no mention of tithing at all in the entire New Testament. Tithing is an Old Testament, an Old Covenant concept. In the Old Covenant, when the tithe was in the hand, it said that you were really to sprout that, that the tithe of what the human and the dairy would turn out their little seeds. Okay, see? And did Jesus? So, not Jesus. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> and seeds one to God, Yahweh, right? They were very religious about that, but that is all changed under the new covenant. And we'll talk about that more in Second Corinthians in just a few minutes. Here it's just in the very first part. Uh, but the point is to give, to give from what you can give and to set that aside and to be regular about it. So four is, uh, or five is setting aside and to store up. Save it throughout the week for the point of giving it on Sunday. This is the expected return, the expected return, okay? And I, for me, this is a point of conviction because uh, we, we have uh, automatic giving in our house, you know, with the kids, okay? And I don't think about it anymore, but I, I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? What if I stopped that and I was more intentional and I had to put a mind forward of giving it and giving it every week on Sunday, not at the end of the month, every week. The idea here is, is kind of based on the society of how the work was done in the particular ages. It was Asian. It was an Asian thing. They probably paid maybe daily for work, maybe work. And so he's saying, like, save that up and then bring it to Sunday, you know, on the day of the week. Bring it there. And um, it shows this act of disciplined giving versus impulsive giving. Because it'll kind of address that and make sense as we're going inside the rest of the day in a minute. But uh, he doesn't want it to be regular uh, impulsive. He doesn't want it to be impulsive. He wants it to be an act of discipline. And he makes this point right here at the beginning. And I think they even have said it kind of like in example with the pictures of like the temple and the tabernacle. Because he says here, store it up as you may prosper. In other words, to the extent, and I think the, this is the ESV, but NIV and, and NEV say it a little better. In terms of like how God has blessed you is how you are blessed. And some people can afford to give 10%. Some people can afford probably to give 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. He's saying give, okay? And uh, be mindful about that and give routinely. So it's not just something you think about at the last minute and emotionally driven, but he says so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul's aware of this already. He's aware that he probably could come in this guy himself shows up and everyone's like, okay, here we go. We're good. But Paul's here. He wants to see their active obedience and discipline before he comes in. So he turns to their ahead and he says, store it all up. Get it ready. I don't want to have to deal with this temple thing. I want you to have already been in that practice of giving. And again, I think that's the point for me is making that happen each week, being intentional, laying it before God, trusting him that every single week he's going to provide and you can give what you possibly give. That's the whole uh, point on that. So he doesn't want any collecting to be done. Uh, and he's there once it's all done. He's there and he wants to see their discipline and how they're done. He doesn't want to be accused of manipulating. In fact, there's a point that we'll talk about later on where he manipulates. He doesn't want to be, be um, dissuaded in any way or hand-pointed in any way from this agenda. 
more part of who you are, become part of your spiritual DNA to obey God and 
Paul is so aware of God's guidance. Now, is it because he knows God and hears from God a little bit and a little bit aware of the Holy Spirit? He is a man of integrity and discipline in every area of his life so that he can preach and he can preach the good and do it regularly because he does that. He can preach and lead by example because he is living this example. If the Lord permits, he should do it. Because in daily and weekly self-discipline, you are more in tune with God and more surrendered as well to what he is saying. So he has been given all the set as an English girl and has been set about to make a mark in history. Where in the routines of these spiritual disciplines does your lack come from? You will find benefit in every other area. Whether it's a spiritual discipline of reading and having the time in the Word to make your bed and having time in Scripture, if whether it's a spiritual discipline of prophetic ability, of setting aside that time, of time in prayer, setting aside and being disciplined in your belief and in confessing independence of the time to allow the world and worldly men that are in our own lives to be crafted concerning churches. It's going to keep you, um, I use the literal sense of this word, retarded, slowed down like a throttle pulling back on your spiritual advancement. And so when you look back and you ask yourself, how can I improve? How can I improve in my life? I haven't given it half that many years. Is that really the case? Yeah, I think it's time to review. Because let's face it, I'm a pretty pleasant speaker before everyone that I've been with in that area. However, knows that I'm close to this spring and we have some meetings and things like that as well. And moms, grandmoms, that ritual in which you read and read the word of God day and day, seeing you, women in relationships, whether or not you have kids, but you're a man in relationships with your parents, that ritual, seeing you in that spiritual discipline is a testimony to be done to God because you are close like that. And so Paul is able to engage with God in such an immediate sense because he's very disciplined about that as well. So, he has some plans, but he's told in every context that he must. Now, at this point, who knows this, but I will say in Ephesus, he gets sent back. So, Pentecost is the day that's 50 days after he resurrected Christ. The day that Jesus said, you know, go and preach, don't leave. Now, it doesn't mean some of them here, but Pentecost is a day anyway. He's all in Jerusalem for the Passover, and then Christ left there as an ascension. He says, wait for Pentecost, and then we'll talk about that in a moment. Wait, and then Pentecost will happen, which is God's way of saying, and then the Holy Spirit comes. He's going to wait also, because I'm going to say in Ephesus, he's going to go and talk to all these things about what it has to do. This is supposed to be going to churches, preaching the gospel, baptizing the Christ. I have you be my church. So I want you to see it through that geographically, but then I also want you to get the season of him doing it as well. So in 50 days after Pentecost, he gets sent back in early spring to Pentecost. And so springtime is, in other words, he wants us to relax through winter and get on the other side of that so he can travel to Pentecost. We'll see how that fits in later. For a wide door for effective work has opened to him, and there are many adversaries. So here is, again, I, I think oftentimes when we see a closing of letters, it brings with it names and, and a giving of 
send an army of twelve, like you know these stories, I'm expecting it. I'm going to send this army of ten or so. <clears throat> so now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with all the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has the opportunity. So throughout this letter, at, in the beginning in particular, Paul's talked about Apollos' ministry in, in Corinth, right? And Paul was never against Apollos, only against the Corinthians really poor view of leadership and pleasing kings and pleasing authorities, all right? And apparently Apollos wasn't eager to come to Corinth, but Paul wouldn't let him have it for him. Paul lets other people have it for him, decisions they make. This is about other brothers in particular. I'll show you a second other instance of Paul. But he goes, look, I strongly urged him to visit you. I mean, you would think, is Paul strongly urging him to come to Corinth? I'm going to send an army of 12. But Apollos had his own mind and will and relationship with Jesus, and somehow they were able to have that engagement and come out on the other end with Paul not rebuking him for that. But it was not at all his will, and some translators say it should have been God's will and not his will, to come. Um, he will come when he has the opportunity. So again, the teaching point here is strongly group coming together. We both know God's will. Someone, Paul exhorts him to go, and Paul says, no, that's not what I think is best. Okay? Great example of someone who doesn't want to go, right? Paul, Apollos doesn't want to come to Corinth. He's not interested by it. Fails. So Paul continues to do Apollos' decision making. He says, are doing the will of God. Apollos is doing the will of God. Timothy's doing the will of God. They are leading by example, right? And now we've got him speaking to the Corinthians. Look, this is what it looks like to do the will of God. Be watchful. Be watchful. Be on the alert. This is more than simply just like not being sleeping while they're down in Macedonia, right? It implies a mental One of the things that we um, hear and talk about a lot in training is called uh, having situational awareness. And uh, so you train to walk into a room, train to walk out to your car, train to walk from here to 28 Main or wherever with awareness, right? To have your periphery open. That's what Paul is saying. Be aware. Have situational awareness. Be alert. Be watchful. going on, the scope of what God has given you to see. And ladies, we can be like that when we are mindful about God's view, right? Because God's got the entire view, right? So when we are plugged in and we have our time and we are focused and aware with the Lord, that's going to increase our ability to be watchful. Our sensitivities are going to be heightened as a result. And then he says, stand firm in the faith. And this could be understand as stand firm in the faith or stand firm in faith. Okay, so 
In other words, the faith that you have in your mentality stands firm in that faith. But you can't stand firm in something that you don't know. Right? That's why it's been such a blessing to see you live out the truth that God did because I know you know this. And when you're in doubt, you're coming to people and talking about it in a way that's like, you got to have that faith. You're not just making it up as you go. You really want to know. And that's what he says. Stand firm in the faith. And I love this little phrase here, have thy tent. Man up. Man up. Um, it might say in your Bible, be courageous. Here's the translation that says, be courageous. Because that's the implication of the word. You might have more of a thoughtful thought connotation or like an articulateness. Because it might sound sexist to actually act like a man who's willing to fight. But that is literally what the word is. It's gnosko. It's, it comes from, I'm not gnosko. It comes from the word androgzomai. And you can only Don't be childish. Right? We're supposed to be childish with our refusal. That's where our refusal. That's, but everything else, be grown up with that. Right? The nature of children, children are petty. Children are undisciplined. Children need somebody else to keep them constantly on, on track. Children keep a record of wrong. Children fight and they squabble and they bicker and you have to be kind and calm. And guess what? lying on the back seat. They're just, you have to be on them all the time. And he's basically saying, grow up, <laughs> man up, stop acting like that. Act like men. Be mature. And that's a part of reflection in each one of our hearts as we come to our Father in humility and say, God, this is so silly. Thank you. <laughs> Why am I so childish? Why am I so immature in this area. Maybe the sensitivity and the agitation and the anxiety that you carry in your heart. Are you saying, man up? Man up. Be strong is what's next. Better said, maybe be strengthened or be made strong. Because why? Because strength comes from above. It comes from above, not ourselves. Be made strong in the spirit, not looking for some kind of aggressive self-esteem. He's not looking for a cocky man up, man up is something that you can't have. It's he's creating needs to be met and Jesus is saying you do have to love your neighbor. You know that the house is called the father. We're the first fruits in the kingdom. And if they have that word for the father is first fruits. The idea of first fruits like they have to have and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. That word devoted there, this is Greek word, kathos, Greek word kathos. It literally means to take care of. They would have withdrawals if they couldn't be cared for. They would have withdrawals. And I, I have to honestly say, I, I've been in areas like this. And it's, it's hard to explain without being 
met them early on because they we were all kicked out from we got kicked out and so Priscilla and Aquila meet up with uh, uh, Paul they don't know each other but they talk immediately they start they're doing the same job they work with leather or print makers uh, the word is actually leather but they, they work with their hands and they call it leather making but they call it print making to this day and he he met them and he has been to have this bond with this wonderful power couple in the church the brothers of the church in their house so not only did they have a church in that area but they had a church in their house and some of the uh, commentaries I read that even wealthier couples probably just didn't like each other and they split up he actually called 30 people or more from their own homes that's a that's really big thinking about like well To send, uh, they, they send you hearty greetings from the Lord. These are enthusiastic people. Here's the reason why. You don't think they knew each other. They called each other. They knew each other from Jesus and Joseph and Mary. They called each other. They said, you know, pretty close. They would have known. Where have gotten that to talk about the mess up going on? keep it safe for you. <laughs> All right? So then he says this interesting
among them who were running to the Christians, to those where Jesus was preaching, Jesus was taught, he was making a very strong claim that after all this teaching, after all this exhortation, if you don't have a love for the Lord as a love that begins with a J-O, well, it's not agape if it begins with a bow or just love. If you don't have love for the Lord as a brother, Idea is to go to the destruction, things that were thrown out of Eden and destroyed. Okay? He, he wants you to take this point very seriously. And, and to me, this communicates that Paul is saying, look, Christianity is not what you said in the Bible school. It's not based on the outward of the Bible school. Okay? It's a relationship. And if you can't love Jesus as your brother, says anathema, and then he says maranatha, two different words, anathema, Greek, maranatha, from meaning not, not like Jesus. Maranatha, all right, and so does the Greek word maranatha. And the idea here of anathema and maranatha is our Lord God, this idea that our Lord is our master, okay? So he's just giving that vision that you can't love Jesus, so if you go to like a brother in brotherly love, he's the one who
and bless them as they come out of their homes and their homes and their churches. Father God, we do thank you yet again for the power that you have given us to come and join you in gathering your people this morning in your name. And I thank you for your word. Bless your holy people. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Although it's, it's not to create a joy garden, 
doesn't help me really grow in my faith.
Very unsavory of You can't see without them. Probably, yeah, your eyes are probably making you more tired. Yes. Kicking my chair, and dropping popcorn down my neck. I'm
the theater in like four years. I want my first time back to be in this theater. So then I just always got in the habit. We like to see sort of way uphill.
believe I know it may be the American Rescue Plan, uh, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he's just going to be there. He's seeing the unseen realm in person. So, um, yeah, uh, Enoch, check it out. Get get tonight. Um, and there's a bunch of goofy nonsense in there, but you have good discernment. And so I'm not worried about you. you, you. <laughs>